0: Welcome in to the 48 minutes podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B Michael Freer. This is episode number 61, the Courtney Kirkland episode as the seasoned veteran has officiated 1309 games over the course of 22 seasons in the NBA. Kirkland has also worked 50 NBA playoff matchups including 3 NBA finals games. And a fun fact for you all, he is just one of five referees to ever officiate back-to-back years for the NBA All-Star Game, doing so in both 2020 and 2021. And with that, let's go ahead and send a friendly reminder here that BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and the latest matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, that is B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where
1: the game starts. And tonight, Bruce, I'll start with you for our opening tip. All right. Thanks, Ross. When the FIBA World Cup of Basketball begins next week in the Philippines, Team USA is going to be represented by a fairly young team that's dominated by three Villanova University alumni, Mikhail Bridges of the Nets, Jalen Brunson of the Knicks, and Brunson's New York teammate, Josh Hart. They form 25% of the 12-man squad. All three were teammates on the 2016 National Champions for Coach Jay Wright. Hart left for the NBA after that first title, but Brunson and Bridges played two more seasons together at Nova winning another NCAA championship in 2018. All have done well in the NBA and Bridges was one of the league's breakout stars last season. And he actually played 83 games, which is one more than the maximum (laughs) because he was traded from Phoenix to the Nets in the Kevin Durant deal. And, you know, there was one more game available for him to play and he did. Uh, Brunson came to New York from Dallas and was the main reason the Knicks went from a 37-win team to a 47-win team in a season where he should have been an all-star, but was snubbed. Hart came over to the Knicks in midseason last year and was a pure shot of adrenaline as the team not only made the playoffs, but upset the Cavaliers in the first round. They're all winners, and it'll be interesting to see if Team USA head coach Steve Kerr ever plays the three of them together in the tournament. I hope he does because they all play the right way, and watching them together will be a clinic in unselfish team basketball. Couldn't agree
0: more with that, Bruce. I think there's certainly a uh, good recognition of the American game, obviously having those wildcat roots, and the way they play the game of basketball is certainly something I can cheer for as a proud American citizen. So go Team USA. World B, what do you have for an opening tip?
2: Thank you, Ross. Well, first things first, there are a lot of Knicks fans that would like the next villain over to a sh- uh, person to show up at New York to be a uh, Jay, Wright, But yeah. that's uh, that's for another time.
1: You're not <laughs> happy with Dante DiVincenzo. Come on world. League. Oh no, it, we
2: like him too. <laughs> As we enter our two of day NBA previews for the upcoming season, I wanted to take a brief look at what appears to be the glamor of the two conferences, the Western conference. This conference is home to the defending champion nuggets who don't seem to be at all thrilled with how the NBA world has reacted to their title. But while this conference is full of big-name superstars, there are also questions all over the place with the contending teams. Can Memphis survive without John Morant long-term? Who will play point for the Loaded Suns? Can either of LA's teams, the Lakers or Clippers, stay healthy enough to contend? Is CP3 really going to come off the bench for the Warriors? Were the Kings a one-season wonder? Can Luka and Kyrie coexist for an entire season? And can Zion stay healthy on the court long enough for the Pelicans to be relevant? While the West may have the biggest names, they also have the biggest question
0: marks. I couldn't agree more with that as well. And I think those big questions marks is why we're looking forward to the season so much. It's going to be a heck of a ride once again this year. And I think a lot of those questions should be answered Very shortly into the season, I would say like probably the first half, we should have some clarity on some of those. Nice job there will be. As for my opening tip, I want to start off by thanking you guys. You guys did an outstanding job on that emergency pod uh, the other day when uh, James Harden had some things to say about uh, his current general manager, Daryl Morey, someone he has been kind of a friend to for the last eight years or so, having worked with him both in Philadelphia and Houston. And I uh, thought you guys covered that well. So I obviously was itching to comment a little bit on that myself. Unfortunately, was unable to make that. But you guys stepped in and uh, took advantage of that situation, which was outstanding. So I thought, hey, I would fire up one of World B's favorite things. And that is the NBA trade machine. And I came up with my top three realistic James Harden trades. And I also want to make it clear that these there's absolutely no chance Maury Keeps Harden in the Eastern Conference so before we even get to my my mock trades here I think we would you guys agree I mean James Harden's definitely not going to stay in the Eastern Conference there's no way Daryl Morey wants him in conference Agree to disagree I, I would tend to agree with you yes on the surface it sounds right but if
2: the pickings are slim in terms of choices he may not have a choice
0: that's true. Well, I, I've got three pickings here for Daryl Morey, and uh, you guys be the judge if they're good. Number three, this is the Team Adidas trade, aka the Morey Dream World trade, and that is James Harden for Anthony Simons and Nasir Little. If you're, if you're Portland here, you'd have uh, an expiring contract in James Harden, but maybe it's like a liquid band-aid for Dane to stay in Portland. Hey, I got you another star. Do you want to play with, uh, with James Harden? Could maybe keep him in the loop there. Number two, the should we do it trade. James Harden for Mike Conley, Wendell Moore, Jordan McLaughlin, and their top pick, Leonard Miller. I mean, after last summer with what they did with Rudy Gobert and all the chips they threw in to to get Gobert paired with Cat. Why not just do it? Go all in for James Harden with one season left on the books. You got Harden, Ant-Man, McDaniels, Cat and uh, t- um, and Rudy Gobert there with Kyle Anderson off the bench. Wolves got to make the playoffs. I think we've all agreed that uh, Chris Finch could be on the hot seat this year, and uh, James Harden could certainly make things a lot more interesting for the Wolves' chances this upcoming season. And number one, my most realistic trade, the James Harden for Marcus Morris, who is a Philly native and was disgruntled at the end of last season with his playing time. And he's also on a $17 million expiring contract along with Norman Powell, who is kind of like the, the gem trade that's going to be coming back for Philly. But you got Maxie, you'd have Norman Powell kind of have that offense to, to make up for what you lose in Harden. Any of those trades make sense or any ones that you guys like there?
1: I don't think Lillard's going to want any part of James Harden because you got two two ball dominant guys. Minnesota maybe makes more sense since since Ant is you know kind of an off guard and Harden could get him some pretty cool open looks, uh, and that third trade is with the Clippers, right? Correct. Yep. And, Which and is where were, Harden wants to go. Yeah, and and Philly was talking to the Clippers, but they couldn't get anything done with them. So I don't know, you know, if 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 that one's likely or not. Well, the I, uh,
2: the first two for me now. I'm sorry, the first two I don't see happening just because. Uh, the Blazers are train wrecked defensively already. And now you're adding James Harden. That's just, that's not going to help matters. Uh, Minnesota's defense was ranked high last year, but they really did not have a good defense. And again, James Harden is not going to improve that. The third one makes the most, to me, makes the most sense of the three. I don't know if that, doesn't, like Bruce said, I don't know if that's going to happen, though, because the Clippers don't seem to be really uh, interested.
0: Yeah. And and the one thing I thought about with that Clippers trade though is I think that what Philly would want back is a young talented player like Terrence Mann. I think after this recent statement from James Harden calling the general manager a liar twice, the offers are obviously going to get even worse now. I mean, there's just oh, yeah. no there's no there's no value for James Harden when you know Philly has to get rid of him. So I think you kind of lose a Terrence Mann type piece and then you end up with someone maybe like a Norman Powell who has some money on the books. But uh, thought those would be interesting. If you, if, if our listeners have any thoughts on those, please drop us a comment on YouTube or in the chats on uh, Twitter, and I'd love to hear them. But as we get into our first half here, fellas, let's continue to go ahead and put a fun twist on the upcoming football season. And with what we like to call two-a-days, as uh, World B had hinted at, throughout his uh, opening tip there. And uh, we're going to just take a team from each conference as we get prepared for this upcoming season. So for our first quarter, uh, let's go ahead and focus in on the Eastern Conference
1: with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Bruce? All right. Well, the Cavaliers are clearly a team on the rise, although they stumbled badly in last season's playoff. They won 51 games in the regular season, then had home court in the first round against World's New York Knicks, but lost in five. And in the four losses, they didn't reach 100 points a single time. So while some feel that head coach J.B. Bickerstaff is on the hot seat heading into this season, I don't happen to be one of them. Some Cavs fans see the talent on this team and start daydreaming about the good old days, but it remains a very young team. Uh, All-star Donovan Mitchell is the grizzled old vet at age 27. He finished number six in the MVP voting last season, and he's an explosive scorer and a good defender. 23-year-old point guard Darius Garland is electric, and I call him Kyrie 2.0 because he's a master at getting inside and scoring or dishing. Seven-footer Evan Mobley is 22. He averaged 16 and 9 with one and a half blocks. Fellow big Jared Allen is 25 and enters his seventh season. He averaged 14 and almost 10. There's depth with Karis Levert and Isaac Okoro. New additions like Max Struess and Georges Niang. This team should have a chip on its shoulder after their playoff flameout. and with the weapons they can put out there, I see the Cavs making a move up the ladder and improving on their 51-win total from last year. They did get some tough news last week when backup point guard Ricky Rubio said he was taking some time off to focus on his mental health, but here's hoping that Rubio makes some good progress and returns to the team at some point.
0: Yeah, and I think the Cavs kind of anticipated that Rubio might step away for a while. They did go out and sign Ty Jerome, who now has some experience with both the Warriors and the Oklahoma City Thunder. He provides some shooting. But, you know, when I look at this team, what really are the, the main factors and why I think they're going to take the next step is, one, a full year under their belt with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, a.k.a. Kyrie Irving 2.0. I think it's going to do that team wonders. Evan Mobley is still developing. He's got to have had a big offseason. Hopefully he's working hard on that that body and, and continuing to develop some confidence on the offensive end of the floor with his game. And then you guys can call me crazy here, but uh, I think Max Struess could be the missing piece to this puzzle. Gone are the days waiting and hoping former top-ten pick Isaac Okoro could develop offensively. And as we know, Struess can shoot it with the best of them. He's sneaky athletic and he's not afraid to put his nose in there to battle for rebounds. So I think he could be that X factor along with Georges Niang off the bench to really be those glue guys that every successful team needs to have on, uh, on the floor in crunch minutes. be. what's your thoughts on the Cavs?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach as far as the season goes uh, in terms of their development. Are they going to take that next step? They could, by default, if this Philly mess becomes even worse and they drop down and that would just obviously move a lot of teams up like the Cavaliers and the Knicks who were basically the same, uh, finished in the same uh, position last year. Uh, yeah, they were one of the best teams in the league. If you like They had 51 wins. And their net efficiency, they outscored opponents by 5.6 points per 100 possessions. Only the Celtics did a better job at that. And that's that's about the equivalent of a 57-win team, that net efficiency. So they were really much better than their record show in terms of how they did it that way. Uh, I think one of the things where – the one of the, uh, uh, let's say, misguided notions about the additions of Struss and uh Yang are stress is not as good a three point shooter as people think for me. He only shot 35% last season, 32% in the playoffs and only 18, 19% in the finals. So he wasn't as good. He made some na- noise and we saw him during the postseason have some success where those two are going to be really good for Cleveland. Believe it or not is from the corner on their shooting. Because the Cavaliers on corner threes were one of the worst teams in the league, down in the bottom 10, I think 24th at, I think they were 36%. And Georges Nyang shot 53% from the corner and Struss shot uh, 45% on the corner. They had about combined about 200 uh, combined attempts from the corner. So they're going to help them there. One big thing for the Cavaliers to me, this is not a good rebounding team. Unbelievably with the Twin Towers that they have. And they got really exposed in the playoffs by the Knicks who dominated the offensive glass And because they didn't shoot that well, but they just kept killing them on the boards. So they're really going to have to develop that. depth. As Bruce said, you got young guys who can still develop, and if they do, Evan Mobley looks like somebody who's just going to get better and better, so maybe that'll improve. But right now, that's one area i got to see get better before I really anoint them as one of the three best teams in the East. They can get there, but I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach.
1: Let's talk about the Mobley family for a minute because there's Evan, as we know, and there's also another Mobley on the team who's less experienced, but's actually the older brother. And that would be Isaiah Mobley, who played really sparingly for those guys last year, uh, but he broke loose in the summer league this year. I mean, he led the Cavaliers to the Las Vegas league title. He won the championship game MVP. He blocked shots. He blocked at least one shot in all six of the games. And he is a guy who can probably help them on the boards. Uh, you know, he's probably going to be coming off the bench, but he seems like somebody who's going to really sort of become a, a more prominent guy for them uh, off the bench. And what he showed in the summer league—I mean, he certainly earned the shot.
2: Uh, I'll say one thing. I'll say one quick thing about about the Cavaliers too is, outside of the Nuggets, who I mentioned before. Even though they won a title, are probably gonna come in with a chip on their shoulder because of the way everybody reacted. There's no other team, I don't think, in the NBA that should have a bigger chip on their shoulder than the Cavaliers after the way they were one of the best offensive teams in the league last year. People don't think about it. But yet as Bruce mentioned, two 20-point per game scores and the Knicks they just bottomed out against the Knicks offensively. They barely scored more than a point per possession in the five games. So if there's a team that should be, you know, geared up. To show everybody that's you know the playoffs is not uh, who we are, it should be the Cavaliers.
0: Now, Bruce, I got a question for you because I think amongst the three of us, you're the biggest Darius Garland fan. Not that me and World B dislike him, but I think you like him the most. So kind of going back to World B, uh, throwing out those numbers on Max Drew's not being as good of a shooter as some may think. How much would you say Garland and Mitchell can maybe help those percentages go up? I mean, you look at Miami last year. I mean, they didn't really have any creators outside of Kyle Lowry when he was healthy and Jimmy Butler when he was getting double teamed. So how big of a factor could it be for a shooter like Struess to finally have a real playmaker
1: like Garland? Well, you know, Garland was an all-star two seasons ago. I mean, you know, this guy is a legit, you know, top-shelf talent. And his numbers last year were nearly identical to his all-star season. He averaged 7.8 assists, which is, you know, big, big numbers. He's only 23 years old and he's beginning his fifth season. So this is a guy who I think, again, if he's understand the game as you would hope that he would in his fifth season, I mean, um, I think he's going to really be able to, you know, find those guys. You mentioned Niang and, and Struess are both good corner three guys World. So, yeah, I mean, look, the thing about Garland that I love so much is he can get into the paint and finish. That's yeah. kind of the Kyrie Irving stuff. But he can also get into the paint and kick. And last year, he was basically kicking to Spida Mitchell, you know. Yeah. And and Spida was just incredible last year. He averaged over 28 a game. He was an all-star. So I think that Garland, if in the normal case of a guy maturing as he gets older, I mean, he's 23, okay, I yeah. think – uh His best basketball is in front of him, and and those assist numbers very well could go up from 7.8. Yeah, I absolutely think they certainly will uh, with the the talent and
0: role players they have around that team now, and they should be a lot of fun to watch. Now, as we get to our second quarter here, our Western Conference focus is going to be on the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, uh, Bruce, I know you had some thoughts to kind of open things up here
1: on the Wolves. Remember the song... Hungry like the wolf, right? (laughs) Duran Duran, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what the fans in Minnesota are. They're hungry for some postseason success. This franchise doesn't get enough credit for its ineptness because they are the definition of an inept franchise. In 35 seasons, they've made the playoffs just 11 times, okay? Their most glorious year was a trip to the Western Conference Finals in 2004 when Kevin Garnett won the MVP, And, uh, you know, they played well. They lost to the eventual Western Conference champ Lakers in six. But in all 10 of their other playoff appearances in the history of the franchise, every single time they lost in the first round. So other than that one year, they've never been beyond the first round of the playoffs in 35 seasons. Okay. Uh, now the past two seasons, Chris Finch led them to the playoffs. Both years they went out in the first (laughs) round. But let's give credit where it's due. I mean, Finch is the second most successful coach in franchise history with those two playoff appearances during the, you know, the late Flip Saunders had eight straight during the KG era. Uh, But fairly or unfairly, Finch is on the hot seat. We've said it last week. We've said it already tonight. It's true. Um, He needs the Wolves to play hungry, especially at the beginning of the season. They got to get off to a good start. Anthony Edwards is brilliant. Carl Anthony Towns is a former number one overall pick. He's in his ninth season at age 28. And I think at age 28, we should be looking at peak cat this season. Rudy Gobert is still a force on D. Mike Conley, a veteran point guard who is aging gracefully and has a hoop IQ off the charts. A great floor leader. One of our favorite guys is super sub Naz Reed. He provides great depth up front, and Jaden McDaniels is a fourth-year wing whose numbers have improved in each of his first three seasons. So on paper, the team looks like a solid playoff contender, but their win total went from 46 two seasons ago to 42 last seasons. Definitely injuries were a big factor, but the fans don't care. They just want results. Yep, it's it's results over anything there, and I feel like the West just continues to get
0: better. Obviously, we've talked about what the Suns have done this offseason, uh, the Warriors now have Chris Paul World B, as the captain of the Anthony Edwards fan club, at least here at 48 minutes. What's your thoughts on the Wolves moving forward?
2: Uh, it's a lineup to me. It's a lineup. that Well, first of all, they're running. They're basically running with the same lineup. They're running it back from from last season. And last season, you know, was a lot of dysfunction in that lineup because of I don't think the pieces mixed and I uh, when they were on the court together, and health was a big factor, as Bruce mentioned. You know, when uh, when Cat and Rudy and Anthony Edwards were on the court together last season, they only outscored opponents by 0.6 points per 100 possession, less than a point per 100 possession. That's not exactly dominating for a group that you think should dominate, and it gets even worse when you pair up Cat and Rudy and Naz Reed and and Rudy the whole thing you basically have three centers on the court the three of your five highest paid players on the team by the way are centers that just it's just a weird mix for them uh what i do think is uh in their favor is the continued development into a star uh, of Anthony Edwards i think he can take them to that next uh plateau if they're going to get anywhere in a you know really difficult conference as i mentioned as uh we went through before it's really uh it's going to be tough to make a lot of uh momentum in that conference when you're dealing with these teams they have the players i just the mix doesn't work for me it didn't work last year and they didn't do anything in the offseason to try and improve it outside of a couple minor deals but it just doesn't look like a good mix
0: Yeah. And one question, follow up question I have for you, World B, is Is this the year Anthony Edwards earns a starting nod in the NBA All Star game? Sounds crazy, but like if he's had a huge summer, I mean, and he gets this team going, I mean, he could be a starter in this year's All Star game, if you ask me. But what are your thoughts? Uh,
2: I think, put it this way, I don't know if he would get the votes with all the players that are in the conference to be a starter. I think he could play like a starter. Like a guy who deserves to be a starter okay. in the all-star game. I don't think he will get the votes. He's just not as big a name as some of the, the great ones that are out there uh in the West. Uh it could happen. I just don't see it happening. Uh he he's he's another guy that keeps developing, gets better, he shoots better every year, he scores better every year. So it's this this FIBA World Cup should be I won't say it's coming out party, but it should be that that tournament that he is elevates himself if he has a really good tournament that people take notice coming into camp. And he's gonna be the have to be the leader, even though you got veterans like Kat and, and Rudy on the team. He's the guy now, he's the he is the future of this franchise, and he's gonna to have to take they'll
1: go as he goes. I'm glad you mentioned the FIBA because that's gonna be a really good chance for him to sort of show what a stud that he is, because you know it's not going to get the kind of t v ratings that the NBA playoffs get, but there is going to be a lot of publicity around it. There'll be a lot of coverage. One of the things I love about Anthony Edwards is, yes, he's a volume shooter, yes, he's a volume scorer, but he's durable and he wants no part of load management. This guy mm-hmm. wants to play every single game he played seventy nine games last season, and so he's the kind of he's he's got the potential to be a real alpha dog and He's, you know, only 22 years old. So, uh, you know, this guy, you're, you're right, World B. They'll go as far as he takes them. And while on the topic of development, obviously
0: we've been talking about Anthony Edwards, but uh, as far as another guy on that that roster, I'll be on the edge of my seat when it's when it's Miller time this year, and that is Leonard Miller from the G League Ignite. Uh, really looking forward to tracking his development. He had a great summer league out in Las Vegas. He's one of the youngest players in this year's draft and seems to be a very versatile 6'10 forward. So uh, hoping he gets a chance to kind of shine in some garbage time minutes this year and see where that goes moving forward. Um, a guy they have been developing, Jaden McDaniels. Not sure if you guys have seen these reports, but apparently the 6'9 McDaniels has now grown to 6'11 uh, during this offseason. And uh, as we know, McDaniels did emerge as one of the young premier players uh, perimeter defenders late last season and that defensive success that we saw at the end of last season also transferred over to the other other end of the floor and it seemed to seem like he was finding his niche within that Wolves offense so he's got to be a big piece of this team moving forward not just defensively shutting down the opponent's go-to score but offensively if he can start to average anywhere from 13 to 16 points per game that's really going to help pick up the scoring load They're in Minnesota for those guys. So um, another fun team to watch as we get ready for the NBA season. But uh, if you guys don't have any other thoughts, I think it's time to go ahead and reach our halftime buzzer and take a quick break and come back with you for the second half. And we're back with the start of the third quarter, and today it is time for our mailbag questions.
1: Love the mailbag.
0: We all love the mailbag. Listener-submitted questions that have come through the door. Certainly, want to encourage people to continue to send those in to us here at the forty-eight minutes show, and. First question we're going to get to is from James. And James asks, each year, two or three NBA players make the jump in their second
1: year. Which play? Which players are most likely to do that, Bruce? Although he was a key contributor to the Nuggets championship run as a rookie, I think Christian Brown of Denver is poised to make a nice jump this season. He averaged just under five points per game and just over 15 minutes of playing time, and he showed a lot of hustle and grit. And with Bruce Brown leaving for the Pacers and that big payday, the 6'6 Brown, Christian Brown, (laughs) should get more minutes and see his numbers improve. He's a solid defender. He guards small forwards as well as guards. He's also a winner. Four high school state championships in Kansas, a national championship at the University of Kansas, and an NBA championship as a rookie in Denver. So one thing he knows how to do is be on a winning team. Well said there. Will B, do you have some thoughts?
2: Yeah, uh, two guys that came to mind for me, it sounds kind of crazy because they were probably the two best rookies last season. Uh, Paolo Bancaro, the rookie of the year, who obviously you say, well, what kind of a jump can you make from your rookie year? I think he has the capability to be a 30-point-per-game guy. I don't know if he's going to get there this year, but I think he can approach that. He's got that kind of scoring ability. He absolutely has to improve his his uh, shooting if he's going to get there, but I think he can. He's that kind of player. He only shot like 42% last year from the field and less than 30% from three. It was a train wreck, but I think he can improve on those numbers. And if he does, he's, you know, with his volume shooting, he's going to be up there in the score among the scoring uh, rate leaders. And the other guy is Keegan Murray of the, of the Kings. I think he, you know, he set the NBA rookie record for threes last season with I think two Oh six, something like that. And I think he has a chance to be that legit number three guy on the Kings behind uh, Fox and uh, Sabonis. I think he's another guy. He could potentially be a 20 point per game guy. Develop. He's got that much potential uh, as far as how he did his rookie season to make that jump into, you know, the Kings have that ability with their offense to have three 20 point per game guys. I think he can be one of them.
0: Good picks there. And uh, as for mine, I have Benedict Matherin of the Indiana Pacers. Uh, he had a very good, strong rookie year with Indiana. I think just one year under his belt, obviously getting back a fully healthy Tyrese Halliburton will certainly help him as well. And uh, he had no problems getting to the free throw line last year. So if you can continue to get to the line and kind of just improve that sh- those shooting numbers uh, from across the field, I think he's going to be in good shape there. And then I'm also going to stay in the Central Division out East. And uh, my second guy is Jalen Duren of the uh, Detroit Pistons. He was one of the top rebounders uh, in in the NBA in general uh, per minute. And uh, I think he's going to get some more minutes this year. And uh, under Monty Williams, uh, for Monty, I mean, it's going to be a breath of fresh air. He's got a center that likes to rebound. Who would (laughs) have (laughs) thought? So uh, definitely keep an eye on Jalen Duren and Benedict Matherin next year. All right. Our second question comes in from Patrick and Patrick wants to know who's a new face in a new place who you think will have a surprising big impact on their new team.
1: Bruce? Well, the obvious answers are Bradley Beal in Phoenix and Kristaps Porzingis in Boston. Uh, Although we found out on uh, Monday that Porzingis is going to miss the FIBA tournament for Latvia because he's having some lingering foot problems. Not a good sign in Celtics Nation. But both Beal and Porzingis are seen as sort of final pieces for championship contenders. But my eyes are going to be on Marcus Smart in Memphis. With Ja Morant suspended for nearly a third of the season, Smart's going to be expected to take Jaw's minutes and bring stability to a situation that could blow up in Coach Taylor Jenkins' face. But once Morant returns, I think Smart will continue to be a positive influence, both on Ja and in the locker room overall. And if the Grizzlies can stay comfortably above 500 until Jaw returns, I believe Smart will be one of the main reasons why. Will be?
2: Uh, I think Bruce mentioned him briefly here just a second ago. I, I'm going to be looking at Porzingis. He's not going to have a surprising big impact, but I think he's going to have a bigger impact than, than people uh, realize, just that we've kind of forgotten about him over the years. Because he's basically been injured and then he was stuck in Washington, where they don't seem to, you know, treat winning as a disease these days. <laughs> but you know, he's coming off arguably the best season of his career. He had a career high twenty-three point two points per game last season. And he had a career high and effective field goal percentage of fifty-six point five. So his shooting is there, his scoring is there. I'm all but convinced they are just gonna go all out offensively, this team in terms of uh, in terms of scoring, trying to score, trying to shoot it up. And that'll play right into his hands. He's a big guy who can hit the three. He averages a block and a half per game every season, so he's got that going for him. I think he's going to be one of those guys that has a big impact, and I think he has to if the Celtics really want to be contenders.
0: And as for me, I've got Fred Van Fleet. My eye is on him out in Houston. They obviously gave him a big payday to come in and provide some leadership for that young group. He's also got a new coach, Nime Udoka. Um, so they're going to have to work as a nice pairing, a uh, leader on the court and a leader off the court. And, uh, you know, there's already been video surfacing in the offseason. I'm usually not a big fan of offseason videos, especially when it comes to highlights. But one highlight I can get behind is seeing Fred Van Fleet running up hills with uh, their young Uh, the young star J shoot Jalen. I'm blanking on his name here. Jalen green. Jalen green. Green. Yeah. He's already taken him under his wing there. Uh, Green's a guy that really struggled last season, especially shooting the ball. So if he can find some consistency on and off the court, I'm assuming uh, that could only help his development moving forward. And I think steady Freddie is the guy that can be the man for that job. So really looking forward to that and want to thank Patrick, For the question. Now, our last question comes in from Will, and we'll be, I'll start with you on this one. What's the deal with Christian Wood, PJ Washington, and Kelly Oubre still being unsigned? Those are three solid bench pieces that could ultimately help a team succeed. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, I'll go through them each real quick to make it (laughs) okay. Uh, Christian Wood, the biggest reason is he's a terrible defender. (laughs) He'd have to really improve just to get to poor status. He's a he was the worst defender on the Mavs last year in terms of the team's defensive efficiency when he was on the court. He was the worst, so that's number one. Uh, PJ Washington basically is pricing himself out for what he thinks he is deserving eighteen to twenty mil a year, and what he's going to end up signing as a qualifying order or a uh, qualifying offer with back with the Hornets. It's going to be like one year for $8.5 which is about what Miles Bridges is getting with the Hornets. So he basically is just pricing himself out if that's what he thinks he's worth. And Kelly Oubre is coming off uh, big-time scoring numbers because he shot the ball on a lot bat- <laughs> on a bad team with, with, with uh, Charlotte because he's a terrible shooter. Had a, I mean, there's, You wonder why he's not getting these offers. He's a terrible shooter. You, 43% from the field and 32% from three. But he shot a career. He took a career high, seventeen point one shots a game. Well, yeah. If you're going to take that many shots and you shoot that bad, yeah, you're going to be a twenty point per game score. But he's not a good shooter. So I mean, that's a, that's a short answer for
1: each one. Bruce. Well, I'll follow uh, World B's pattern here and kind of you know blow through these three guys fairly quick. Christian Wood. He's played seven NBA seasons and been on seven different teams. If you look at his offensive numbers, they're good. Career average, almost 15 points, more than seven boards, good size at 6'10", but he's never stuck with a single team for more than two seasons. And World B pointed it out. His defense is, uh, well, let's put it this way. When he recites the alphabet, there's only 25 letters in it. Uh, the letter <laughs> D is not part of uh, his. <laughs> nice. Um, if you, but Christian, If you want to come on 48 Minutes and and make your case as to why you don't get the respect you deserve being traded or let go every year, you got an open invitation. So come on, come on. P.J. Washington is a bit of a head-scratcher to me. He played four seasons in Charlotte. He was all-rookie second team in 2020. I think he'll end up signing with a team. I could see him ending up with a team like Miami, where, where guys like him go, to develop a little bit and maybe, you know, get it, get immersed in that kind of heat culture with Spo and Pat Riley, because depending on what happens with this Damian Lillard situation, if that doesn't work out him going to Miami, maybe there might be a spot for a guy like PJ uh, with the heat. Uh, and they would get him for a bargain price, which is another thing that Miami's great at is getting value for the dollar. Now let's talk about Kelly Oubre quickly. He's always impressed me. As a guy who puts up good storing numbers on teams that never win, okay? He averaged a career-high 20 with the terrible Charlotte team last year. Sorry, World B. His last playoff appearance was in 2018 with the Wizards. When he played in Phoenix, they went to the finals the season after he left. When he played for Golden State, they won the championship the season after he left, okay? Maybe it's just a coincidence, but wherever he goes, winning stops, I'm with both of you guys. I think just when you think of these three
0: players, uh, winning is not one of the first uh, characteristics you think of when it comes to their reputation. And uh, I think they're perfectly sound guys for a fantasy team or even a same-game parlay, which I'm definitely missing having here on the show. But, uh, you know, throw them in your same-game parlay is all you want because they're going to put up numbers. Just don't take their team to win that game because I don't like the odds of that uh, based on – Past performances. but By uh, by the
2: way, on P.J. Washington, uh, you know, I was talking about how he priced himself out. He's actually, I think of the three, I would want him before anybody, any of the other two. He played out of position a lot when he was with the Hornets. They put him at the five a lot to get uh, in the past in order to get a quicker line, to get Miles Bridges on the court when he was a couple seasons ago, whatever. So he he played out of position at the center spot a lot of times. He's not a center. They put him there to, to try and mess with the lineup and everything. And it had some success or whatever. They tried to get up and down the court when, with the mellow ball and everything. Uh, and so it worked at times. But, you know, if he goes to another team, he should be at the forwards, you know, one of the forwards spots. So of the three, I would take him before uh, Wood or Oubre.
0: I would, too, because Oubre has played for the Wizards, the Warriors, the Suns. And as Bruce mentioned, Christian Wood's been on seven teams in seven years. Washington's the only one that's not been able to prove himself elsewhere, having been stuck in Charlotte all these years with World B. So, um, you know, we got to get him uh, (laughs) to escape uh, Buzz City there and give him an actual chance somewhere else to maybe uh, just be a role piece. But I want to thank everyone for their questions again, if you have them. Please don't be shy. Put them in the comment section on YouTube or uh, hit us up on Twitter and be more than happy to answer your questions on an upcoming show. And fellas, with that, let's get right to our fourth quarter here as we got another live NBA pack break with a new twist. And uh, the new twist is this. I'm going to play dealer per usual, dealing out the cards back and forth between the both of you. However, should I come across a player that I don't think you guys will know too well? I'm going to take a crack at it. And if my judgment is wrong and you're like, hey, I know that guy, you're going to have to call me out on it and give me the fire facts that you know on that said player. How's that? Yeah, sound? I like
2: the, the player on the cover on the wrapper. I like there. So I'm, yeah. I'm one for I'm one for one on that one.
1: I'm hoping we pull a Apollo rookie in here. Absolutely. This, this segment always reminds me of like trying to take a final exam when you had <laughs> no time to study yeah. <laughs> or you forgot to study because you were drinking beer the night before. Yeah, we're cramming right now. That's what, <laughs> that's what we're doing. But
0: uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into things here. And uh, we're going to let World B start off with this guy, someone we've already talked about on this show. That is Donovan Mitchell.
2: Spida, one of my uh, favorite players, because he was a guy that the Hornets should have drafted instead of Malik Monk back then. They had their choice. And the story goes that Steve Clifford wanted uh, Donovan Mitchell and, the others, the GM and others, wanted uh, Malik Monk. And so they went with Monk, and Mitchell dropped all the way to uh, uh, Utah. Uh, he's one of my favorite players, and I'm not just saying that because he's a Mets fan, too, uh, He's, yeah. which he is. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things we didn't talk about with Cleveland is the fact that the Donovan Mitchell to New York rumors have not gone away. They're not, they're, they're not as intense as they were before his trade last year. Last year, but they haven't gone away, and I don't know if they're going to go away because the connection with with Mitchell and the Knicks is is uh, just too strong. And until the Cavaliers, you know, until they put until he puts a kibosh on that talk, it's going to continue.
1: Yep. All right, Bruce, quick hitter here, but you definitely know him, Pat Connington. Pat Connington, the pride of Boston, Massachusetts, <laughs> nemesis of Celtics fans because we don't like him because he's good uh could have been a major league pitcher uh was drafted by the Orioles yep. Threw it, you know over 90 miles an hour great energy guy off the bench from Milwaukee possibly the best athlete on their team I mean I know that you know it's hard to say someone's a better athlete than the Greek freak but Pat Connaughton is a outstanding athlete uh, great uh, guy coming off the bench I'm a big fan Yeah, Pat Connaughton was a
0: former participant in the dunk contest, so definitely a very athletic swingman there. Well done there, Bruce. All right, we'll be on this guy. You've got to keep your uh, response time under two minutes here because you could go on for days. (laughs) Zion Williamson.
2: Oh, boy. <laughs> where, where do where do we begin? The, the heavyweight champion of the NBA. How about we start there? Um, that being said, I'm a I'm a big fan of his. I just I guess you can't be. If it's Zion, you're either a big fan or a big uh, critic because everything with Zion is big. Uh, it's it's one of the enigmas of this season. It, it, you know, he's one of the enigmas of the league. A guy as talented as him, and you question his. Flat out, you question his desire. Yep. He's just, he's had injury issues. Nobody questions that. But it doesn't sound as if he's exactly uh, been a workaholic in terms of getting himself back into basketball shape, basketball uh, conditioning. I will say this you put him on the court with CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and the rest of that group. You have a legitimate contender in that Western Conference. I kid you not. That group. Before everybody got hurt last year, before he got hurt, they in December I believe it was as late as December they had the best record in the West, and it bottomed out when he got hurt and everything went you know went to uh, heck in the handbasket. But he is a big part of not only the team success, but how the you know the league is. Zion doing well is great for the league because he's that kind of uh, personality, yeah. is that kind of talent at his size. It's just a matter of desire at this point for me.
0: Yep. All right. I've been stumped on this next one, so if you guys can help me out, you'll win this card. Kendall Brown, a rookie with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, this pack has stumped me because uh, crickets over here. So. I got. I got.
1: I got nothing. Next, <laughs> we'll move on. You'll get this guy here, Bruce. Jonathan Kaminga. Oh, see, I think here's another guy who could take a big step forward this year for for those guys. Yep. I mean, he's he's put in his time. He's, you know, obviously a, an athletic player. Um, they, you know, they got a lot of great play last year out of Kavon Looney at center, who was a big bouncy big, who was a great rebounder and shot blocker and defender. Kaminga could be that that kind of a player. So uh, I think his time is coming. Hopefully Steve Kerr is going to give him the minutes that he needs to take that next step. But, uh, you know, he was one of the first G League Ignite guys to to make it, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, you know, let's, Keeping let's see what he's think. got this year. I think he's got something. Absolutely. All right. We'll
0: be back to back ones where I have to tell you, you got to limit your time because you're going to get excited on this one.
1: Paolo Bonchero. Oh, come on.
2: <laughs> what a boy. As you shall receive uh, a guy. I'm um, a guy. I'm really looking forward to watching. Uh, down here based in Orlando got to watch him play last season and he really, uh, he really impressed for the most part. He, as I mentioned at the top of the show, he needs to improve his shooting. Uh, I think he will, if he's that kind of player, it looks like he has been working really hard in the off season to get better. That's what you want to see a guy who won the rookie of the year. Uh, He's going on a extremely young magic team, but he can be that star on a team of really young players. He can be, a super he has superstar potential on that
0: team. Yep. All right, Bruce. See what you got here with Herbert
1: Jones of the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, he's kind of one of the guys on that team that doesn't get the big pub that a lot of the other guys get. But uh he's always come off to me as like a, a glue guy, kind of a you know, good wing. You know, well, he's kind of a bigger wing, right? Isn't he closer to yeah. like six nine, six ten? Yep. Yep. Um Pretty good defensive player. And on a team with the kind of scorers that they have, you know, he's the kind of guy that 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 kind of provides chemistry in the lineup because he's not going to get a whole lot of plays called for him, but he's going to do a lot of the dirty work for uh, Willie Green, whose job I hope will not be sacrificed to <laughs> Zion Williamson's dietary habits. I agree there.
0: All right, Will B, you just keep getting layups here tonight. Jamal Murray. <laughs>
2: Wow, one of my favorite players in the league. Believe it or not, he is a guy who really uh, steps up his game in the postseason. He is a he's an all star caliber player who is really on the cusp of superstar status because of what he's can what he's done in the postseason for for the Nuggets in the past. Uh, he is a, he established himself as a legit number two guy on a team this past season with uh, uh, Jokic doing his thing. And the two of them combined are, you know, you can make the case. They're the best one-two punch in the league.
0: Yep. All right, I'm going to take the next one, and that is Jayshon Tate of the Houston Rockets. Went to Ohio State, had a stellar rookie year with the Houston Rockets, but then along came a guy by the name of Tari Eason, who didn't get enough playing time last year. And Tate is someone to blame for that. So I think Houston needs to move on. Tate would be great on a more veteran team that's kind of just looking for that missing piece. And uh, I'm hoping Tari Easton gets the minutes this year because as much as I like Jason Tate, he can't shoot a lick and he's really slowing down Tari Easton's development. All right, Bruce, I did come through with you and I got a good one for you. Russell Westbrook. Why
2: does he get
1: all the easy ones? <laughs> <laughs> well, Russell Westbrook—he uh, moved his gear from the Lakers locker room to the Clippers <laughs> locker room last year, which was one of the great, you know, moves ever. I mean, uh, he didn't need to even get on a plane; he just took a two-wheeler, stuck his bags on it, and walked down the hall. Um, obviously, a future Hall of Famer didn't really fit in with uh, the Lakers; fit in better with the Clippers. Okay one of the most ferocious players I think I've ever seen, Uh, burning intensity. His problem, even when he was at his best, was that he only knew how to play at one speed, and that was full speed. As a point guard, you have to be able to change speeds, and this is something that Russ never really did to the extent that he was really a point guard, although, look, he averaged a triple-double like multiple seasons. Going to the Hall of Fame, Hope he has a nice season for Tyron Lue and the Clippers this year, um, and uh, that's really all I got to say about Russ. I think that was, By the way, was is there anybody who changed
2: thing. their reputation for the better last season after switching teams than Russell Westbrook? No, I mean he he was public enemy number one in in the Laker land, and he became a key part of of the Clippers. You know when he got there.
0: All right. Will be his first test of the night here, but it is a former Nick, Alec Burks. Wow.
2: He's a guy who we were told when he came to New York was a great shooter. And uh, <laughs> he had moments with the Knicks. He, he he did all right. He just didn't have enough of them. Uh, a good shooter. And, and I remember during his time with the Knicks, he got his shot and it didn't work out. And I'm glad to see he's still uh, able to get on a basketball card. After
0: all these years, <laughs> well, we are going in order here. So the next one is for Bruce, and it's another layup.
1: Kevin Durant, who? Never, <laughs> no, no, never heard of, never heard of him. KD. Well, look, you know, you're going to hopefully get a chance to see him play some games in person out there in Phoenix this year. Yep. Um, obviously, they went all in to get him, uh, sacrificing Mikhail Bridges among others. Um, one of the all-time greatest scorers in the history of the game. I mean, what can you say about Kevin Durant? There's really not a whole lot you can say other than um, he's an incredible player. He's had an incredible career, and he seems like he's still in his prime after all these years. Yep, one of the best scores of
0: all time. And uh, Bruce might log off the show after I give World B this one, but it is the final card, and I'd love to hear World B's thoughts. Jason Tatum.
2: One of uh one of the best in the league. I mean, he's really uh turned himself into one of the top five or six players in the league. And he keeps it seems like he keeps elevating his game to me, or, or at least his status in the league. Um I think he's only twenty-five still. I don't think he's uh uh even reached twenty-six yet. So he's got all the you know, we kept talking earlier about all these young guys, and he's one of them. For a guy who's been in the league a long time, he's one of the best scorers in the league, he is about to get a Jalen Brown contract in about three hundred uh, some odd days. He his turn comes up, and he's going to he's on pace to be a guy who gets his number retired up in Boston. Which uh, you know they're running out of space up there, but he's he's that he's close to being that guy right now, and that's pretty good when you're just twenty five or twenty six or whatever. Be, you know, to, to have that level, uh, he's got to get to, I think he's got to get to a couple more finals and at least you think along the way, win a title. And I think credit to uh, uh, the Celtics front on Brad Stevens and all that. They're trying to get, you know, put him in position, trying to keep the Celtics in position. knowing Jason Tatum can take them.
1: I think to that, t- to that title. Yeah. Do you, do you think the Celtics are going to be the first team to have to have three digit numbers on their uniforms? Yeah, uh, they haven't gotten into the 90s yet, so yeah, there's still room. There's still a few. There's still a few left, but uh, you're right. I mean, you know, they there's a whole lot of numbers that nobody can wear on that team.
0: I hope they do get into triple digits because once we get to triple digits, we might need some help here on the 48 minutes show for uh, <laughs> special shout outs for uh, episode numbers. So that wouldn't be a bad idea, Bruce. And excellent uh, point, Ross. Yeah, and uh,
1: <laughs> with that, let's go ahead and get right into our final thoughts, Bruce. Why don't you lead us off? Last weekend's Basketball Hall of Fame induction ceremony featured some of the most iconic NBA stars of the last quarter century, but the real star of the ceremony wasn't a player or a coach, it was a franchise. That's right. The past few years have been very rough for the San Antonio Spurs. After making the playoffs for 22 straight seasons and winning five NBA championships, the Spurs have missed the postseason the last four seasons and bottomed out with just 22 wins last year. But their past glory was on display last weekend in Springfield. Head coach and King of San Antonio Greg Popovich and point guard Tony Parker were inducted. Parker, obviously, a four-time champion, and we know all about Pop's five rings. But Pau Gasol was also inducted last weekend, and while he had his greatest success with the Lakers, Pau also played two-plus seasons for the Spurs and was actually a member of their last two playoff teams. Becky Hammond also went in, and mainly for her WNBA career, which included eight seasons with the San Antonio Silver Stars, but uh, they also included eight seasons an assistant coach for the Spurs under Pop, where she was the first full-time paid female assistant on an NBA coaching staff. She's now the head coach of the Las Vegas Aces of the W, where she's the highest paid coach in the league at over a million dollars a season. She's the first female branch on the Greg Popovich coaching tree. And given the dry spell of the past four seasons, it's not likely the Spurs are going to have any more Hall of Famers for a while. Maybe rookie Victor Wenbiama will be their next one, but that's going to be about 15 years down the road if it does happen. A number of NBA teams like to talk about their franchise culture, but few, if any, have ever had a Hall of Fame weekend like the Spurs did last week.
0: It was definitely a Spurs fiesta out there, and uh, congrats to all those Spurs legends for going down in the history books. World B? Thank you, Ross.
2: Among the many storylines surrounding the James Harden mess is how the 76ers potentially could be wasting yet another one of league MVP Joel M. Deed's prime seasons. Mdeed, who has hinted he may not want to stick around Philly himself if the team can't put together a lineup that's a contender. He's in danger of losing yet another all-star player over the last few seasons after he and the rest of the 76ers basically ran Ben Simmons out of town. But while MD was honored as the league's top player last season, there are legitimate questions as to just how serious he is about winning the championship. His health has been an issue since before he entered the league, and his weight, which reportedly can hit as high as 280 or 290 at times, is a major centerpiece surrounding his health the two-time league scoring champ who entered the NBA with foot problems and eventually developed back problems. Uh, The foot problems cost him his first two seasons in the league, if you remember. He says he plans to enter training camp in the best shape of his career. It would be a good idea by M.D. who has yet to see 70 games in an NBA season, as it would truly demonstrate that he is serious about winning the championship. M.D. won the MVP and is arguably the league's best center but fair or not, the great ones are measured by rings. And I truly believe a healthy, serious MD can absolutely lead Philly to a championship, no matter if James Harden is on this roster or not.
0: Wow. Bold statement there. Bold. Especially, especially coming from a guy that gave Harden his praises last year. But uh, I love the take there and uh, definitely hope Embiid can come into this season new and improved to stay on the floor for more than 70 games. As for my final thought, I just want to give a heads up to everybody that uh, we will be on Believe TV tomorrow, which is a free fast channel to all those that want to check it out. It's our show with Marin Fader of The Ringer. Just an incredible show, an incredible guest that we were fortunate enough to have on. And that's going to be on the Believe channels from two, uh, between two and five Eastern time. And uh, believe TV can be found on Fubu TV if you're a subscriber. And if not, it is available free also on Distro TV, Sports.tv, Sports Tribal. And also, if you have a TCL um, TV, if you have a TCL brand TV, if you turn that on, you could get believe on one of those fast channels there. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow. Uh, as of Wednesday, the sixteenth of August, and uh, hopefully you guys will check it out and uh, show us some love as we make our TV debut on Believe TV. But with that, that will do it for this edition of the Forty Eight Minutes podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back with you next week to be sure you're up to date in Forty Eight on all things around the association. Take care, everybody.